Good morning, Chapel Hill. My name is Julie Hawkins, and I am one of the pastors here. And if you had come to the Hawkins home in the last month, chances are that the World Cup would have been on the TV. Call it football, like my colleague Ellis. Call it soccer. I like to call it the beautiful game. I love the World Cup. And I'm not going to tell you what the score was. I'm going to try really, really hard. But I came into the first service this morning, and the score, uh, it, the game wasn't over yet. And I asked the prayer team to pray that Argentina would win. <laughs> and when I told my husband that, he chastised me, and he said, Julie, God doesn't care about sports. And I said, yes, but God cares about me. God cares about me. This World Cup has been full of all of the best things. The Cinderella story of Morocco, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. But center to it all has been one man that the world was watching, this guy. Yeah, you guys know who he is. He is the one and the only Lionel Messi. He is arguably the most famous person in the entire world. If you do not know who he is, you might be living under a rock and you need to do a little bit of research. Messi came from humble beginnings in central Argentina. He overcame hardship and adversity. He was born with a growth hormone deficiency. And he went on to become the greatest player of all time. Yes, I said it. He is the GOAT. In my opinion, he is the GOAT. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. From a very young age, coaches saw something special in this guy. When he was four years old, they called out that he was going to be a great player. Anybody watched a four-year-old play soccer? Yeah? It more, looks more like bunch ball, right? If you can call out greatness in a four-year-old, you know that he is something special. And Messi has the hardware to prove it. He has over 1,000 caps. He has 792, maybe more goals, because I don't know what the end result was. He has four Champions League titles, 11 domestic championships, a Copa American championship, seven Ballons de Or, five golden boots, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> but the one accolade that has evaded him is a World Cup championship. In fact, it's evaded Argentina for almost 40 years. It's been almost 40 years since that hand of God moment by Diego Maradona tipped Argentina into the final and then they won. 40 years. So you can see why for Argentinians, their hope in Messi is almost messianic. You see what I did there? Messi? Messianic? And the reason that the rest of the world loves Messi, we love Messi for the same reason that we love all of our heroes. We love Messi because we can see a part of ourselves in his story. We see that he went from ordinary, actually he went from less than ordinary to become something extraordinary. And we see that and we think, well, if he can do it, maybe I can do it too. Maybe I can become extraordinary. Maybe I can become the greatest of all time. Maybe I can be a hero. It's interesting that our love of our heroes is basically foundationally a love of ourself and a hope that we can be the hero, that we can be someone great. Now, like I said, I'm not going to tell you if my prayers were answered this morning, but I feel like you can see that my joy has been made complete, but I'm not going to tell you if the prayers of the faithful fans were answered. Instead, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. 
Our text today, it's another origin story of a great hero. This morning, we're going to look at the birth of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is someone who Jesus himself called the greatest of all time. He was a man that was so great that even from his birth, he had people wondering, is this the one? Is this the Messiah that we've been waiting for? But we'll see in our text this morning that even with his extraordinary and miraculous birth, John points us to Jesus as the hero of his story. And we see in this that Jesus is the hero of every story. Jesus is the hero of every single one of our stories. Hear the word of the Lord today, starting in Luke 1, 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately Zechariah's mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins." because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our text today, it centers around the Jewish equivalent of a baby shower, a circumcision party. Now, the idea of a circumcision party might seem a little bit odd to us, but to this day, devout Jews will invite all of their friends and family and neighbors over to what's called a bris. And at the bris, their eight-day-year-old son will become a part of the community of God through this outward physical act. It is a cause for celebration. And if you remember a few weeks back, Pastor Ellis talked about how Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous people. So of course, they're going to observe this important sacred rite as new parents. 
And this baby's arrival, it was not just any baby. It was the biggest thing to happen in the neighborhood for a long, long time. It sounded like it was straight out of the Old Testament. There's an angelic vision. You have a barren old woman who is suddenly pregnant. There's a priest who walks out of the temple silenced. Everyone wanted to see this miracle for themselves. They wanted to see this little baby with their own eyes. Because after 400 years of silence, after 400 years of no prophecies, after 400 years of no angelic visits, suddenly there's this child. This child who the hand of God was so clearly upon. John was a hero from the moment that he was born. Now, We've been in the Gospel of Luke for some time, and we're flipping back to the first chapter. So we know that the Gospel of Luke is about Jesus. But if we had just read the first chapter and closed it right there, we might think that it was going to be about John. Because a lot of the first chapter is about John. But when we take a closer look at our passage this morning, we see that even this passage, even the birth narrative of John, it points us back to Jesus. We, in our family, we love the Jesus Storybook Bible. Does anybody know the Jesus Storybook Bible? The Jesus Storybook Bible, we loved reading it to our kids when they were younger. If you're a parent or a grandparent, I highly recommend this Bible. The tagline for it is, Every Story Whispers His Name. And throughout the Bible, you see this redemptive story of the work that Jesus is doing. You see that every story in the Bible points to Jesus. That's true of our text this morning. And it's true of every name in our text this morning. Every name whispers his name. When Shakespeare's Juliet stood on her balcony, she says, what's in a name? Well, it turns out that in our text, a whole lot is in a name. Elizabeth, her name means, my God is an oath. And Zechariah, his name means, God has remembered. John, God is gracious. And in their story, we see that God is all of these things. He is a God who keeps his promises. He is a God who remembers his people. He is a God who is gracious. And all of these things, they point to this person who is coming, this person who is Jesus. We see that Jesus is actually the main character. He is the hero of this story. And we see how the characters in the story, they respond to the work of God in their lives. They respond in the way that they lived. And in that, we can learn a bit about how we are supposed to live in response to that great God. So let's take a moment to dig into each of those names. First, we have Elizabeth. Elizabeth means God is my oath. When Elizabeth found out that she was pregnant in her old age, her response was to cry out. And she said, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. We see in this cry of her heart the stigma that came with being childless and barren, but we also see in it her belief that God was one who was faithful. We see that she recognized that God was the one who took away her reproach. God is the one who looked on her. He was the hero in her life. And so, Nine months later, when that little baby comes along, everybody assumes that the baby's going to be named Zechariah Jr. After all, we're guessing that Zechariah was only going to have one son. But Elizabeth responded to them, and she said, in her faithfulness and obedience, she said, no, his name shall be John. The language is actually even more emphatic. She says, absolutely not. His name is John. 
And then in that moment, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they got to experience another sacred rite of parenting. Everyone sharing their opinion <laughs> with them. Y'all familiar with that? Everybody said, no, no, you can't name him John. There's nobody in your family named John. You got to name him Zechariah. But Elizabeth and Zechariah, they held their ground and they responded in obedience to their oath-keeping God. They recognized that God had been faithful to them. There are times when our obedience to our faithful God, it stands in opposition to our surrounding culture. But there are times when our obedience to God, it even stands in the way of our families and our traditions. And it is work, hard work, to remain faithful in those moments. When Joey and I lived in Central Asia, we saw this all the time. We would see Muslims come to know Jesus, and we'd watch as our brothers and sisters had to navigate what it looked like to be a Christian in a predominantly Muslim culture. We would see that every single holiday, every single ceremony, every single tradition was steeped in culture, and they would have to ask if their walk with Jesus was being challenged by that ceremony or tradition. They had to ask, am I being faithful? Am I being obedient to God's call on my life? But what we saw over and over and over again was that them living in obedience to their faithful God, it acted as a testimony to the community around them of God's work in their life. And we see that that was true for Elizabeth and Zechariah too. When it's confirmed that the baby's name would be John, when Zechariah takes out a wax tablet and he writes that his name is John, we see another miracle happen. Zechariah immediately regains his speech. And when that happens, the news spread like wildfire through the whole hill country of Judea. Good news travels fast. It would be like if they were talking about the birth of this miraculous baby from Olympia to Auburn. Everybody knew about it. They were all saying, what child is this? We sing what child is this about Jesus. They were singing it first about John. And their faithfulness, Zechariah and Elizabeth's faithfulness, it was part of their witness to the fact that God keeps his oath. God keeps his promise and God remembers his people. Zechariah, his name means God has remembered. And it's another name just like Elizabeth's that speaks to God's faithfulness. I've thought a lot about Zechariah's response to Gabriel in the temple. He's visited by an angel who says this miracle is going to happen, and his response is to say, how shall I know this? His response is doubt and disbelief. He says, give me a sign. Make me sure that this will happen. Part of me thinks that Zechariah had forgotten about that prayer because it had been so long ago. The age the reality of age and distance had already set in, and he had forgotten that he had prayed it. And we might be tempted to give Zechariah a little bit of a hard time. How could he disbelieve? He is face to face with an angel who stands in the presence of God. How could this righteous man, who had all the right answers, not see that God was acting in his situation, in his experience? I wonder if we actually deal with the same thing. If we ask that question, how shall I know this? How will I know, God, that you will answer this prayer? How will I know, God, that you will provide for my family? How will I know? Will you give me a sign? Because often we can't see that God will work in our personal everyday experience. Often we cannot see that God can do miraculous things in our lives. And so we're not that different 
than Zechariah. In Zechariah, he asks that question, how shall I know this? And Gabriel gives him the restorative consequence and gift of a nine-month silent retreat. Now, I want to picture, I want you to picture this with me. A lot is going to happen in those nine months, right? So Zechariah goes home, and he is deaf and mute, and he tries to tell Elizabeth what happened to him in the temple. Do you think he used charades? Do you think he was like, Do you think she believed him? Do you think a few weeks later that she used her race to tell him? You know, she said, mm, yeah, sure thing, it happened. I wonder if during that time as Zechariah watched this, if his certainty grew. We knew that, that, we knew that it did because of how he responds. In his silence, he was able to contemplate God's promises. He was able to see how God was faithful. And maybe as his certainty grew, Maybe he pulled out their scroll of the prophet Isaiah and turned to Isaiah 40, where it says, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And maybe he pointed to that, to Elizabeth, and then he pointed to her belly, saying, That is the baby that's growing in your belly. And maybe then a couple months later, when Elizabeth's young cousin Mary came to visit, it was Elizabeth's turn. She pulled out the scroll and she flipped back to Isaiah 7 and she pointed at Mary's growing belly and then pointed at the verse that says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Maybe throughout this time, Zechariah, he received that request. God gave him a sign. And over those nine months, his certainty grew. God showed Zechariah and Elizabeth that he is that promise-keeping God, and he is a God who remembers his people. So remember that when you have those moments of saying, give me a sign, you're in good company, because we all have those moments. And I want to encourage you to take the same posture as Zechariah. He took a posture of stillness and silence before God. That's a hard thing for us to do in our day and age. We have constant input coming in all the time. But I want to encourage you to take time to steal away and steep yourself in God's word. Steep yourself in the promises of God. You don't have to take nine months. That might be a little bit much. But maybe take a day. Or maybe even take half a day. Maybe start with 30 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you can do. The psalmist writes in Psalm 46, Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted in all the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. When we are still before the Lord, we see that he is the one who is highly exalted and we remind ourselves of God's promises, of his faithfulness, and of his plan for redemption. And we are reminded that that story, that redemption, is part of our story. It's a work that God is doing in us. It's for each one of you. So when you take those moments to be still before God, he will increase your certainty. He did it for Zechariah. We see this because the moment that Zechariah opens his mouth, he praises God. There's so many things that Zechariah could have said after being silent for nine months. So many things. He could have said, yeah, that charades act that I did, it really was an angel that I saw in the temple. Or he could have taken his baby and cradled it in his arms, looked lovingly into his eyes and said, my son, my son, John. 
But instead, the moment that his mouth was open, he spoke and he blessed God. He sang a song of prayer, praise. He burst into song. This is our second song in one chapter. And so early readers of Luke, they would have read this and thought, oh gosh, this is a musical. And, and it is. It kind of is because over and over again, we see people respond to the greatness of God in song. He sings that God is a God who remembers his people. He kept his covenant with David. He kept his covenant with Abraham. He kept his promise to the prophets of old. We see that in those first eight verses of Zechariah's song, he actually lays out the arc of God's redemptive story in the Old Testament. Those eight verses of that song are a great little summary of God's redemptive work. So I encourage you to read them because you see in them God's promise and his purpose that is throughout the Old Testament and is fulfilled in Jesus. This God who is a promise-keeping, remembering God he was the hero of Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. There is no question about that. And that is the reason why Zechariah's response is one of praise and blessing. And may it be so with us. May our first thing that we say when we get up in the morning be words of praise to our great God. May our first inclination always be to bless the name of the Lord. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they named their only son, John, God is gracious. And we see that in Zechariah's song of praise, after blessing the name of God, he turns his attention to this little baby boy. He's holding him in his arms. I can just imagine him. And he turns to him and he says, And you, child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go and prepare the way of the Lord to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of sins. For all of you parents out there, I want you to picture the first time you held your baby in your arms. What went through your mind? Think about all the emotions. Think about your hopes and your dreams. Maybe you had some ambitions even for your child. Last week, Pastor Mark, he preached about the power of humility and how we're constantly battling that idol of pride. I feel like one of the greatest areas where there is a struggle for us is as parents. Because I want to be great, but I want my kids to be greater. I want my kids to be the greatest. And so when we think about our children, we're usually thinking about them. And we're usually thinking about us. But Zechariah, he sang words of praise to, about his baby boy, but they were actually about someone else. When the question was being asked of the region, what child is this? Zechariah said, this child is the one who will prepare the way for the one who is to come. He saw that his son John would be the one who ushers in God's salvation. And so his prayer and his prophecy wasn't even about John. It was about the one who would give us God's grace. This baby boy whose name means God is gracious would prepare the way for the grace-giving God who was to come. And that gracious God, he is the hero of John's story. And like John, we also have that opportunity to prepare the way of the Lord. John, he spent his entire life from the moment he was born, his extraordinary, miraculous birth, he spent pointing people to Jesus. And for those of us who have experienced the grace of our grace-giving God, we have that same call. We are called to do that work of preparing the way. It's part of our For the One initiative. Every time you pray for that person in your life, you're for the one. You are preparing the way. 
Every time you invite them to Alpha or invite them to a kid build, invite them to Christmas Eve, you are preparing the way. When you show up at their kids' basketball games, that is a labor of love, and you are preparing the way. When you invite them over to watch the World Cup final with you, you are preparing the way. You are doing that work of walking alongside them in their journey towards Jesus. And that's the last name that we have to talk about this morning. We can't talk about the story without talking about the hero of it. Jesus, in his name, means God is salvation. In Jesus, we find that hero. He might not be the hero that we were looking for, but he is certainly the hero that we need. And he is the only hero in our life that won't disappoint. Jesus, he's the hero that saves us. He saves us from ourselves. He saves us from our own brokenness. He saves us from our sin and from our pain. And he is a hero that is not distant or far off. He is not inaccessible. He is a hero who is called Emmanuel, God with us. This hero does not win his battles on a bloody battlefield of war. Instead, our hero, he wins his battles with his blood shed for us. He offers us forgiveness of sins. He is the hero whose conquest was conquering sin and death. And he is the hero that was victorious in that pursuit. He was victorious in his resurrection. And he will come again in victory to make all things new. Brothers and sisters, we live between two victories of our great God. And he is so worthy of our praise. The Apostle Paul writes that his name, the name Jesus, the name God is salvation, is highly exalted, and it is the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every tongue, knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is the hero of each of your story. And so I want to encourage you to be like Elizabeth. Respond to God's faithfulness with your own obedience. I want you to be like Zechariah. I want you to respond to God remembering his people with words of praise and blessing to our great God. And I want you to be like John. I want you to respond to God's grace in your life by preparing the way so that others may come to know him. Let's pray to that great God of ours right now. Father God, we do bless your name. We bless your name. You are high and lifted up and you are holy. We thank you, God, that you are a God who remembers his people, that you are a God who keeps his oath. You keep your promises. And we thank you for being a God who is good in his grace to us. We pray, Father, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might be obedient, that we might be people who bring you praise, and that we might be people who invite others in to come to know the work of Jesus in their life. Thank you, Father, for the gift of Jesus. God is our salvation, the one who has saved us. We pray, Father, that anytime we're tempted to make ourselves the hero of our own story, that we would turn to Christ and see him as the only hero, the only hero in our life. May his name be praised, Father. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ our Lord. God is our salvation. Amen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her.
heart Prepare him room And heaven and nature sing And heaven and nature sing And heaven and heaven and today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington. Our worship services are Sundays at 9 and 10.30. We hope to see you there. To learn more about our upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org. And wonders, wonders.